Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the Lamb. All honor and glory goes to the Lamb, Jesus Christ, who was slain for us. Worthy is the Lamb. Come, Holy Spirit, come be with us as we listen to his holy word. Father, come. Come through your Holy Spirit and speak to us today. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy of all honor and praise. Holy, holy, holy is his name. We praise today the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our children can go and, uh, oh, they've gone. (laughs) I scared them away. morning. I am so thankful to be with you all this morning. It's a privilege to share God's word with you again this morning about prayer. You know, last week's message was that prayer is much more than an emoji. And we saw that Jesus was teaching his disciples an outline or a, a process about how to spend time daily with their Heavenly Father. A simple way to praise Him for who He is. A a simple way to ask Him for His kingdom rule to come. To ask daily for His needs. To daily confess our sins and ask for help to grow. To proactively ask for protection from temptations that we might not sin against Him. You know, it's often called the the Lord's Prayer, but I I think it's much better called the Disciples' Prayer because Jesus is teaching us, his disciples, to pray. So after being taught as a disciple, who went deeper and used the outline last week and and, and prayed? Uh Uh-oh. Disciples are supposed to be fat, faithful, available, and teachable. In the outline, Jesus asked us to pray for his kingdom to come. Who was on team church, team Crosswind Church, and set an alarm on their phone and prayed at 10.02 for workers to be sent out in the harvest this week. Okay, good. So we're on a team, right? Church is a team sport. Last week's message was how to pray. And in the message this week, Jesus is teaching us more of the why. We should pray. And so I titled this message, I Tell You. God is telling us to pray. And that should be enough of a reason to do it, right? And if God, the Alpha and Omega, is telling us to do it, then I think we should probably do it. But I think that there's a more important reason than just him telling us to do it. Jesus gave us the... Three words, I tell you, 
as a statement of assurance in our text today, saying that prayer always works. Yes, we should pray for the sake of having a relationship with our Creator, with our Heavenly Father, that that's a deep need for all of us. But even more, Jesus is telling us to pray because it's how we are to receive everything that we need to sustain our lives from God. And we can trust that He is good and that He will provide it. Everything. In Luke 11, 5 through 8, Jesus tells a parable. He said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine who has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him, and he will answer me from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, and I cannot get up and give you anything. And I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friends, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. In this parable, he puts us disciples in a situation. A friend travels to come and see you, and they come very late. And in the climate of the Middle East, to avoid all the heat, travelers often came late. And when your friend arrives to stay, they're hungry. And, and you don't have enough food. And that's a disgrace. Because hospitality is a big deal in your culture. It's also a big deal for safety because you need to kind of placate your enemies too. And there's no all-night grocery store. And there's no 7-Eleven or Taco Bell. So you run around to your neighbors and you try to gather some provisions. And next door you smell something good. Freshly made bread. Lofting from the window. And so you yell through the open window. Hey! Hey, buddy! Can I borrow three loaves of bread? Which is a big ask. Because that's a lot of bread. That's probably more than you need. And that'll probably leave your buddy and his family a little short. And it's midnight. And your friend lives in a little one-room house where his kids are sleeping kind of at his feet near the door. And his animals are sleeping around them in the same room. And your friend will have to climb over the kids and the animals waking them up to come give you the bread. And so he tries to pretend that he doesn't hear you. But you're desperate. You don't want to be embarrassed as a host. So you start looking for another window or a keyhole or a crack in the wall. Another place where you might get your friend's attention. And so you're looking around. You're seeking a place. And you find one and yell even louder, hey, dude, I smell the bread. Can you loan me three loaves of bread? And your friend, still half asleep, tries to roll over and put his pillow over his head and ignore you. So he doesn't have to climb over his kids and deal with you. And he kind of says, hey, don't wake up my whole household here. 
But the bread smells so good and so close. You're determined. You go to the front door and you start pounding on it. And you're yelling, hey, friend, it's a real emergency here. I need to borrow three loaves of bread. And Jesus gives us those three important words again. I tell you the reason why the man inside the house eventually gets up and gives up the bread. It's not because they're friends. It's not because they're neighbors. It's not all about the strength of their relationship. The reason he provides the bread, it's because of the impudence of the man asking. That word in the Greek means persistence, but it has a negative connotation meaning shameless persistence to the point of annoyance. But that man's shameless persistence gets results. That good man gets up and gives his annoying friend whatever he needs. And and this parable is about how we should pursue God with our prayers. Shamelessly. Persistent. To the point of being annoying. Jesus says, I tell you, his father will answer them just like the man in this parable. And friends, that's simply amazing. I tell you, that part is what's amazing. Because Jesus is God. And, and Scripture says in three places, Hebrews 6, 1, 8, and Numbers 23, 19, and Titus 1, 2, that God does not lie. And, and, and so if God is telling us something, it must be true. Can I get an amen? You don't sound convinced. Can I get an amen? So our bold, persistent prayers are always heard and answered. There's a girl, Emma. Hopefully Emma's watching. I prayed for over a year. I'm still praying. She had a, a brain tumor. Terminal. Now she's not terminal. Maybe someday she won't have a brain tumor. I know others of you are praying for her. God hears our prayers. Bold, persistent prayers. I prayed all night last night for my daughter and other needs. God hears our prayers. Jesus continues his teaching and says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Do do you guys see the I tell you again? If, If Jesus is your Lord, 
You need to take that seriously. And, and if you don't, can he really be Lord to you? What good is a Lord anyways if you don't have that kind of faith in him? If Jesus is telling us something, we need to listen. You can ignore my words. Seems like you do. But these are his words. I tell you. He tells us to pray to the Lord of harvest. He tells us to ask, seek, knock. And Jesus says it will be given, not might be or possibly should be. Jesus says will be. Asking is being conscious of a need. It's coming to a superior in humility, making a request of a need. James 4.3 says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. God will not grant us always for our sinful passions, but he will always honor our needs if we will come to him humbly and ask. God gives grace to the humble. Jesus says, seek, and you will find. To seek takes action, to get up and, and look around. Got to look around. You got to get in action. You got to come to the prayer meeting. You got to do stuff. You got you to seek. This takes more than just asking. See, God provides for the ravens. Ravens are mongrel rat-like birds but they have to flap their little wings and go seek worms from the ground. Jesus says, I tell you, they will find those worms. What are you seeking right now? A job, a spouse, a baby, an education, a ministry, a friend, a gospel conversation, a business. Sometimes when we just ask, sometimes we also need to seek. You need a job, and, and, and you're asking God. Maybe you need to, with your eyes closed, maybe you need to open your eyes in and, 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 and start seeking and asking with indeed. And let God lead you to an opportunity. Jesus says, if you seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Knocking is to keep asking by persevering. It is to pound on a closed door persistently by faith without giving up. It's believing Jesus' words more than the words of rejection you might be hearing right now. Jesus says, I tell you, the door will be opened if you will keep on knocking. Friends, that's faith.
faith is not believing in God. That's not faith. Faith is believing God. Faith is believing if he says the door will be opened, it will be. No matter how impossible it seems. I love Andre. We're supposed to be going to Sierra Sierra Leone this week. Got some bad news this week already. And we're going. (laughs) There was no wavering. I love it. We try to plan events here. People call me on Monday saying there's going to be rain on Saturday. Like they know anything. I serve a God bigger than that. Amen? Now, (laughs) Jesus' words not only work for those who are super prayer warriors who have a deep relationship with God. That's not what Jesus is saying. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. See, this sentence needs to be read as an imperative command. Everyone who keeps on asking will receive. Who keeps on seeking will find. Who keeps on knocking, it will be open to. Everyone. This is a promise for everyone. Anyone can ask. The youngest child here can ask. Takes no special skill to ask. Jesus does not say God is more impressed with those who ask with flowery religious language. He is saying everyone, man, woman, child, intellectual, and imbecile, receives. Everyone, anyone can seek. Anyone here ever lost your keys? I do it daily. For me, all the time, my wallet keys are lost. In Luke 15, there's a widow who loses one of 10 coins and she tears apart her whole house seeking it because it's of great value to her. Then there's a man who leaves 99 sheep to seek after one lost sheep because it's valuable enough for him to go and find it. And then there's a father who never gives up looking out, seeking out his window for one of his two lost sons because they are valuable to him. Seeking requires seeing value in something and pursuing it. Anybody can do that. Jesus says, if you do that, you will find it. You know, anybody can knock. I don't care how old you are. Jonah, can you knock? Okay. Little, green, little girls in green outfits, wanting prizes, come knocking at my door selling cookies. It happens every year. And I tell you, the door is open. You can tell by my size, I opened the door. The other day I was praying, getting ready for this message, and a 20-something girl came knocking on my door loudly, annoying me while I was in my prayer time for this message. And she had a sad story about a lost cat. I hate cats. 
And I talked to her for 10 minutes about her stupid cat. Because I care about people. And she cared about her stupid cat. She was going to every house on the block to see if anybody had seen her cat. And so I prayed that she might find her cat. And I looked around a little bit for her cat. And I called my wife to see if she had seen her cat. Because Kathy likes cats. My point is, she was willingly unashamed to knock on every door in the neighborhood because she loved her evil cat. Who are you willingly unashamed to knock on God's door that he might save because Jesus says his door will be opened? See that board over there? Are you going to come tonight and start knocking with us as Team Crosswinds? And if you don't do it, do you not believe Jesus at his word that the fields are ripe? Or is it the problem that you don't love people? And maybe we need to pray that Jesus would knock on the door of your heart that it might be opened. You can pray that I might love cats. Am am I being unashamedly annoying? Good. Jesus said, ask. So I am asking you to pray. Jesus said, seek. So I'm seeking teammates to join us, to join Nigel and I here tonight and every Sunday to pound on God's door together because there are lots of lost stray cats in this town. Over 100,000 that are perishing. And friends, they don't have nine lives. And they need the bread of Jesus, the bread of life. And so I'm willing to be a nuisance and ask and seek and knock to show them some hospitality. Will you join me? Will you join us? See, hospitality was a big deal in the first century. You know, biblically, do you know what the word hospitality means? Love for strangers. You know, most people today would go begging for bread if their family were starving. But the man in this parable went begging and being annoying to feed a tired traveler that didn't plan very well for his visit. That's love. When we ask, seek, and knock as a sacrifice for another. None of us wants to make fruitless effort to sacrifice ourselves or expend effort in asking, seeking, and knocking on the behalf of efforts. We don't want to do that fruitlessly because it's humbling 
and it requires a focus of our time and of our effort. And so I want you to know that Jesus says, I tell you, the effort will be fruitful. Verse 11 says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Jesus is saying there will always be fruit in our asking, in our seeking, and in our knocking because of who our Father is. And he's comparing the situation to an earthly child asking an earthly father for something. If an earthly child asks an earthly father something to nourish him like a fish or an egg, a a father most likely will provide that to their children in in almost all cases. uh, uh, Earthly fathers do not withhold good things to sustain their children's lives all over the world. Surely, they, they, they would not give their child something evil like a scorpion to sting them or a venomous snake to, to bite them. I was praying all night. Oh, those things would stay away from my daughter. She's in the Amazon. Well, my own father was not a rich man, and he, he was not always around because my mom and dad split when I was five. When I asked my dad for something, he, he, he did the best to provide it. I, I, I never went hungry as I traveled during the summers throughout the country with him. We, we didn't have a lot of money. We spent time in the back of his international travel-all vehicle. We never stayed in fancy hotels or ate steaks. I, I do, though, remember eating a lot of sardines and hard-boiled eggs. So this scripture must be true. He, he kept me nourished, and he kept me protected. How much more... Would a heavenly father with unlimited resources feed and meet his children's need? Maybe some of you grew up like me in a home with a single mom, or, or maybe you didn't even have a father or had one that because of their sin was not a father at all, or maybe did give you scorpions a steak, and you may find it's a struggle to find comfort in this word father because it's become a little corrupted by sin. Jesus says, what father among you? Because he knows that you've seen good examples. We've all seen good examples of fathers, especially in this church. So if, if you maybe like me sometimes felt alone, I want you to cling to these words in, in Psalm 68, 4 and 5. Sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord, exalt before him, father of the fatherless and protector of the widow is God in his holy habitation. See, even if our earthly father was absent or evil and gave us snakes and scorpions in this life, Jesus says, I tell you, We all have a heavenly daddy who will provide us good if we will just ask and if we will just seek and if we will just knock on his door at any time of need. Parents, I want you to right now just consider the love you have for your own children and the sacrifices 
that you have made for them and that you will make for them. And I want you to multiply that by a thousand. And that does not even come close to the love your heavenly father has for you. And what he has done and what he will do for you. Your resources are limited. And his resources are unlimited. Are you asking him? Are you seeking him? Are you knocking on his door? Or are you trying to do it all yourself? Remember, you are still and you will always be his child. No matter how many children or grandchildren you have. Jesus says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, I want something to sink in here because it kind of floored me yesterday when it hit me. If you then who are evil, who said that? Who said that? Jesus. And and what did he say before he said that? Those three words. I tell you. Jesus is telling us all we're evil. Wait a minute. I thought I was good. My mommy always told me I was a good little boy or girl. I'm one of the good ones. Those, those people who out there, those are the bad ones. I go to church. I, I sing in the praise band. I give a tithe. I have a job. I don't cheat on my spouse. I don't kill people. I'm good. But Jesus says, I tell you, if you then who are evil. See, Jesus is making a universal point about us all. We all our sinners. We all have departed from God's design and our perspective is way off no matter who you are. And you may say, just wait a minute. I'm better than that guy. And Jesus would still say, you who are evil because the standard of good is not that guy or you. The standard is his father. And the Bible says this about us all in Romans 3, 11 Through 18, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They all have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. Their venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And in their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, in your mind, you may be like me, objecting to this being you. But then I realized I was not asking, seeking, and knocking on God's door for my enemies, really believing that he would be as good to them as he's been to me. I was only believing he would be as good to them 
as I was being, as I was willing to be good to them. That he would only give them as much grace as I was willing to give them. And beloved, that's evil. That's really evil. See, I only had this much grace for my mother-in-law. And God has unlimited grace for my mother-in-law. Because God can do abundantly more than I can think or that I can imagine. And I was limiting His grace by my own bitterness. And my throat, even in prayer, was an open grave. And that was not before my salvation. That was yesterday. I was heading down a path of ruin and misery with really no fear of God in my eyes. And I was playing God in my mind, unconsciously willing to desperately ask, seek, and knock, trusting in His amazing goodness. For even my enemies. And I do know how to. And I do. Give good gifts. To my children. And I'm a pretty decent fellow to most people. But Jesus is saying to me. And all of us. I tell you. You who are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. But you are nothing compared to my Father, who is truly good. See, you limit grace. You often give the best to just your children. And and you play favorites with them. See, earthly mothers and fathers often play favorites favorites based on relationship and give good to certain good kids or bad to bad kids based on relationship. But our Heavenly Father is truly good. He he doesn't play favorites like that. Here's another I tell you of Jesus in Matthew 5, 44 through 45. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Jesus is telling us that God is not good based on relationship with him, but based on his own good nature or character. We can falsely think that God will only answer our prayers if we are good or not answer our prayers if we are bad, kind of like Santa Claus does. We even apply that false views to others we pray for. But Jesus is saying his father is not Father Christmas, but Father Mercy and kindness to all who ask, seek, and knock. And he wants us to be like him. 
just like that annoying neighbor who in love annoyingly kept appealing to the father in the story for a weary traveler. It doesn't matter how good your relationship is with God right now. That's not the point. The point is how good he is. No matter how good your relationship is with him right now, you're still evil. He is good. Ask him to give you what is good, which is his Holy Spirit or himself. See, human beings tend to trade on relationship. If I do some good to you, then you will do some good to me. And this is not how Jesus is saying to approach the Father, because that is religion. To offer a good sacrifice yourself to gain some favor from God. In a sense, to bribe God by pretending at being a good kid. Instead, Jesus is saying to humble yourself, trusting in the mercy of God, to trust in an exceedingly good God who is even kind to his enemies, who humbly seek him. Remember in the Old Testament, King Ahab? He was an evil king of Israel. He was no friend of God. He did evil in God's house. He erected false gods. Scripture says he did more to provoke than any other king in Israel before him. That's pretty bad. He let his foreign wife Jezebel kill most of God's holy prophets. He betrayed an innocent man just to get land so he could have a, a little garden for himself. He had his neighbor uh, stoned. And God sends Elijah the prophet to tell Ahab that he's angry with him and he's going to bring judgment upon him. And Ahab gets scared and he repents in sackcloth and ashes and, and, and seeks God for his mercy. And because evil Ahab humbly seeks God, God gives him mercy and disaster is delayed. And it's not brought upon Ahab, but instead it's brought upon his evil son instead. Manasseh, another evil dude, king. He had a really good father, Hezekiah. He didn't have an excuse. And he started his reign at 12 years old. And in God's temple, he put up false gods. And then later when he was older, he offered his own sons in child sacrifice in the temple. And he basically turned the temple into a place of sorcery and prostitution. And he ruined the kingdom of his father, the good king. Was still rich in mercy and attempted to speak to Manasseh. But Manasseh wouldn't listen. And so God finally said, And when Manasseh was in distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God. For God, the God of the Spirit, and he prayed to his God and was moved by his entreaty and heard his plea and brought him to Jerusalem into his kingdom. And then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. And though both men were exceedingly evil, God was good to them. And when they humbled, uh, humbly, uh, uh, though, 
though, I'm sorry, though both men were exceedingly evil, God was good to them. And when they humbly asked and seeked and knocked um, uh, these annoying sinners, found mercy at his door. If, if God uh, would do this for his enemies that willfully opposed him, how much more would he do for you? How much more would he do for you if you claim him as your savior and he's made you his child? Do you trust him? And if you trust him, why do you fear any lack in your life? Hasn't he already proved how much more he would do for you? You know, Paul makes that argument in Romans eight thirty one through 32. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How would he not also with him graciously give us all things? Jesus knows. He knows his father is someone you can go desperately to on your darkest night of evil. When the burden of your sin or the sins of others is bigger than you can bear. Well, Jesus never sinned. In the garden, he felt the burden of all of our sin. And he cried out asking, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And when he asked, peace was given. An angel came and strengthened him so that he could be the bread of life for us and he could face his betrayers and our punishment. And then on the cross, Jesus was there seeking seeking desperately our forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do, knowing fully well our evil. As he had been beaten and betrayed by it and nailed to the cross by our hands. Yet he still sought, he took action and sought an appeal. Sought an appeal to the Father's goodness for us. Jesus was not saying we were worth it. Jesus was saying, Father, show them. Show them your goodness. Forgive them. Show them your love. Show them your grace. Glorify, glorify yourself in me. And even when Jesus yelled out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was knocking. He was knocking on that wooden cross. You don't out yell out personal pronouns like, my God, my God, to nobody. Jesus knew whose son he was and that his father was good. And in that dark moment, 
He, he felt the first time the, the separation from his father because of our sin that had been laid upon him. And he was knocking harder, harder on that door so that his good father might hear him. And he cried. And he cried out louder, I thirst. He was knocking, knowing, blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I tell you, they shall be satisfied. Naked, alone, mocked and burdened with sin, with the sins of the whole world. He is calling out. He's crying out to his good father. And then our Savior made his final knock for us to prove his father's goodness. It is finished. Kaleo. Which means paid in full. The father had shown us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in his son, Jesus Christ. His righteous, sinless goodness was more than enough to pay the debt for all of our sin, future, past, and present for all time. And that final, after that final knock, He stopped knocking and gave up his spirit. Then three days later, the door opened. It was opened by our God, our good father, and out walked his son alive again forever. And his tomb shall be forever opened. Death has been defeated. Sin forever has been defeated. Our enemy Satan has been defeated. He told us, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Beloved, it doesn't matter how good you have been or not been. What matters is what he told us about the goodness of his father. And God is willing to give you the bread of his son if you will unashamedly and boldly ask him. He will send his Holy Spirit to you if you will ask. It will convict you of your sin that you might seek repentance and believe in his immeasurable goodness and escape the judgment of wrath and receive the forgiveness of your sins By his mercy, I tell you, when we ask, when we seek, and when we knock, it proves that we believe and we are expecting to see his goodness, which is truly saving faith. Let us pray. Stand with me, please. Father. We thank you and we praise you for your son, the bread of life. And Lord, we come asking for your mercy. We come seeking your Holy Spirit. Come today 
convict us of our sin. Come, convict us, convince us of your goodness and mercy and love to us. Come, heal us. Heal us. Give us life. Give us joy. Fill us with everything we need because you are a good father. Guide us and direct us. Keep us dependent on you. Let us not move far away from you. Let us turn and follow you. Let us not be apathetic. May the next time I ask who's prayed and sought you, may every hand boldly, annoyingly go up because we've been begging at your feet all week. Adoring our Father. Jesus, you are worthy of every honor and every praise. You are our healer. You are our deliverer. You are our life. You are our breath. And we love you. And we praise you. No matter how evil or sinful we are, we can come to you and find forgiveness and find freedom.